as we uh, as we come before you uh, come before your word, God, we just ask that you would teach us from your word, and that you would show us what you uh, have put into it, God, and uh, allow us just to hear your voice without putting in any of our own our own preconceptions and notions. God, we love you. We thank you for all that you are and all that you are doing in, in our hearts. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, so I tried to write all the verses on the board, but you can see it's not going to happen. This is like five verses, and I had ten more to go, so I just stopped. I said, forget it. I'm not going to do it. Okay, so if you got your Bible, you can turn with me to Romans 1. We just finished Colossians, so what we found in Colossians, if, if, you, had, if you hadn't been here the last couple times, was the whole point of Paul's writings in Colossians was to show us that Jesus Christ is everything. He's all that we need. If we don't have any other righteousness before God, there's, no, there's nothing you can do to add to what He's done. There's nothing you can do to take away from what He's done. And there's kind of a lot of people in here, but I'm not going to be the only one talking so if you got a question just ask if you got something to say just say it um so romans what we're going to do and the reason we do in this book is because romans is almost like it's as close as we have to like uh, a systematic laying out of what the gospel is so if if there was one book that just point by point laid out the gospel it, it would be romans and the first three chapters of romans is going to be all about god's wrath and so it's kind of scary and when you think about god God's wrath, you probably, you know, it's kind of a scary thing, but the reality of what this wrath is, especially here in Romans chapter 1, is even more scary than you you would think. Uh, When you think of wrath, what do you think of? You think of like... You know, lightning bolts falling from the sky or something, or God's wrath coming down and burning you up, or, you know, that's those are pictures that, that come to your mind. But the reality of his wrath, we're going to find out here in Romans 1, is basically when he just takes his hand away from you and says, go do what you want to do, you know, and just basically just lets you run off in the direction you want to go. And that is so, to me, that is, we're going to find out, is so scary to me when he does that. So uh, let's, let's read, and we're going to go, we're going to start in 16. Huh? No, and I knew you were going to ask me that question, but I have to go quickly. I mean, I could do a 8,432-week study on Romans if you'd like. But I have to go quickly. I, have to, I want to go chapter by chapter. And so the introduction that Paul gives is going to be, is, I mean, it's very good. It's theological. We could do a lot of preaching on each verse, on each word just about. But what I'm trying to do is give you the overview of the chapter, the meat. You know what I mean? What he's trying to say. And we're going to follow. This is what we do, especially if you're new in here. What I try to do is to give you the flow of his argument all the way through the book without just taking one verse and saying, all right, let's, you know, there's a place for that. But what I want you to see is, is the entire argument of the book. Does that make sense? Okay. Good. If I get to boring, you just yawn real big and I'll try to talk louder and speak up or something. So it says, I hope you got your Bible because I had to quit at verse 21 because it was just too much. 
Uh, it says, For I am not ashamed, verse 16, Romans chapter 1, of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. Basically, before this, he told them, I'm wanting to come to you and preach the gospel. And it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, what does therein mean? What's it pointing to? The gospel. For therein, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So he's saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel because the gospel itself is the power of God. And for me, that... that, it, 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 it helps me in the fact to, to, uh, to rest in the fact that it's not all up to me. I don't have to have the right answer. I don't have to have the right words. If, if I'm talking to somebody in, you know, in our family that's lost or somebody on the street or somebody that I know, I don't have to worry if, if, you know, if, if, well, what if I say the wrong thing and it messes the whole deal up and they never get saved and go to hell because of something I said? It's not, you, you, the gospel itself, as long as you're presenting the gospel of Christ, that's the death, the burial, the resurrection resurrection of Jesus that he took on the cross. He took all of my sin upon himself and he put all of his righteousness upon me when I trusted him. Therefore, when the father sees me, all he sees is the righteousness of Christ. When, when you present that, that is the thing that changes people's heart. And you can see it. I can talk to one person and I can tell them the exact same thing. I used to teach the youth. I still do really, but there's a, they're younger now, but I, I used to teach the youth different ways to present the gospel and you'd go to one person and you present it and they would basically tell you you're an idiot and just shut up and leave me alone and you go to the next person and you present the exact same way and you would see the conviction of God on them they, they would be like in tears wanting to you know what do I need to do I don't want you know and so you it's like handing out it's like handing out lightning rods in a thunderstorm you know you're handing those out you don't know where lightning's going to hit but you know when it hits it's going to hit that rod See, and the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So when you're handing out the gospel, God is acting in that. He is He is taking that message, and the Holy Spirit is convicting people's hearts. And and so, what happens is though, what I'm going to show you from these verses is that the gospel will affect the way that you live. It says, "For therein is the righteousness of God revealed." And it's revealed from faith to faith. You get in by faith and then you walk by faith. You know, so a person who is trusted the gospel is going to walk. They're going to grow in faith for the rest of their life. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, y'all got that. But now what I want to show you, and this is Paul's argument going to be in chapter 1, 2, and 3. He's going to be talking about God's wrath and what it is. Now, there's a lot of people today who think that God doesn't have wrath. You know, think that God is is like he's like this this fuzzy bunny, you know, granddaddy God who oh he don't care. And a lot of people make up a God in their own mind to suit their image. Like if I like you know, if I like cheating on my wife, then the God that I believe in really wouldn't care if I cheated on my wife. You know, see I just made him up to suit me. If I liked, you know, whatever. If I like watching pornography, then my God really don't mind that. If I like, you know, 
just pick whatever you want. Whatever, whatever, what, we, what we do is we want to make a God that is okay with the stuff that we do, right? Now, my God, he, he don't like the stuff that you do, but he, he's okay with the stuff that I do. It's all good. You know, we're all sinners. But the reality is that God's standard is a perfect standard. And anything that falls below that perfect standard is... What's the word I'm looking for? No help. Uh, uh, is is God's wrath comes upon it? Let's we'll say it that way. Yeah, it's condemnable. So it's kind of scary in the fact when you think that. Now I'm talking about perfection. We're going to see it's going to get worse and worse as Paul goes through. But just to give you a little heads up of what's coming. Uh, if you, if you fail, like today, when you out out of bed, if you failed today since you've been out of bed and, and to this point right here where you are, if you failed to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength at any point between the time you feet at the floor and here you are, then you sinned against God. And that sin is condemnable to send you to hell. See what I mean? And it's only by the gospel that we're able to even take a breath we're able to even take a breath and God be pleased with us because God takes all of that sin. I mean, you can say, I'm probably not the worst sinner. I'm probably okay. You know, I don't do really that bad of stuff. I, I do pretty good. I don't rob banks or cheat on my wife. I don't kill people or do anything like that. But the reality is that you've sinned enough just in the last hour to... to to send your soul to hell forever. And so when you think about it that way, man, doesn't that make Jesus' sacrifice look huge? I mean, it makes it look how marvelous a sacrifice he made to pay for all of that stuff, even stuff I didn't even realize. But what we're going to see here is that the wrath of God is revealed as God takes his hand away from people. The Bible says that man, God won't always strive with man. Let me just read it. I'm getting kind of rambly. So, okay. The question is why is Paul so bold and not ashamed of the gospel? Why is he so bold? You ever wondered why? Why does Brother Eddie preach so get all red faced and crazy? What's wrong with him? You know? Why does people, you know, as long as you, why, why do people always want to push the religion thing on you? Why are they always just trying to say, are you saved? Why, why is it such a big deal? And Paul's answer is because the wrath of God is real. And it's real right now. It's not just something that's waiting for you at the end of history. Of course, it is, of course. It'll be fully revealed then. But it's revealing, it's revealing itself right now in your life. It says, verse 18, look at, y'all follow with me because I couldn't write all this on the board. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed. That is being revealed right now. Not just will be revealed, but is being revealed right now from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now that word, when it says hold the truth, it doesn't just mean holding the truth. It means like holding down the truth. What it's saying is they're suppressing that truth. They, they have the truth of God inside of them and they're pushing it down. They're holding it down. They're keeping it down in order that they can live ungodly, in order that 
they can live in sin. God, I, whenever atheist says, I don't believe in God, I'll say, well, God don't believe in you either. Because he don't believe in atheists. There are none. All, everyone has the knowledge that there is a God. You cannot look. It, the only reason you would look at creation and say it had to be something else is because you have another agenda. I don't want nobody ruling my life. I don't want nobody being Lord over me. I don't want nobody telling me what right and wrong is. So everyone knows that there is a God. They're holding down the truth in unrighteousness. And this is why he says it, verse 19, because that which may be known of God is manifest, it's revealed to them, for God has showed it to them. Okay? How has he showed it to them? He showed it to them for the invisible things of him from the creation, visible things of God from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. I, I remember a, a lot of y'all, some of y'all may know, there was a, a lady, you probably heard about Helen Keller who couldn't, you know, she's like at a very, very, very young age. She, I guess it was a disease or something. It was that what it was? Couldn't see, couldn't hear, and couldn't talk, right? And you imagine what kind of world that was. Can't see nothing, can't hear nothing. I mean, you just, in, you just like trapped in your mind forever, right? Well, a lady named Ann Sullivan worked with her and worked with her, and finally they started doing sign language on her hand. So that's not funny. Be laughing at Helen Keller. I'm laughing. Oh, okay. <laughs> but anyway, like she put her hand out and the lady would do sign language on her hand and she could feel it and that's how they started communicating. And then, and after a while, there's a, there's a really cool story. After a while, you know, later on in life, uh, she was telling her about God and about Christ and about all those things. And, and she said, Helen Keller said that, that even when she said that she had already known him, already known him, they just didn't know his name. You know, even when she couldn't see, couldn't hear, couldn't speak, it was just locked in her own mind. She knew that this, this God that she was talking about, she just didn't know his name. That's what she said. So all people have this knowledge that there is God. There is something. You can't look out at creation, at all the things that are made, and say, you know, that just come about by chance. I remember one lady... Uh, you know, she's, she's arguing with me. This has been a while, but about it, uh, evolution and science. And, you know, we can do all that kind of stuff. We can do all that stuff now. I was like, well, make me a cow. I said, make me a cow right here. Can you make me a cow? And she said, well, let me go get. I said, no, you can't go get nothing. You just need to make a cow right here. You can't get no eggs or no cow. Okay, never mind. But, yeah. Okay, that's a bad. Oh, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Um, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I, I don't even know what. If I could see one on the floor, and I wouldn't even know what it was. I am not a. What's my deal here? There's something wrong with my. Yeah. Okay. So where are we at? Twenty. Yeah. World. It, world. I got it. World. From the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. Y'all feel free to interject. Now, I, I don't have to give no 45-minute lecture. They are without excuse. No one will stand before God and say, I didn't know. No one. That includes 
That includes the dude way off in the Amazon running butt naked with a bone in his nose. You know, that, that deal. It includes the high class people in Europe and the no one will stand before God without an excuse. Now let me tell you, I'm anticipating this question coming, so let me tell you how how it works. We'll see in the first three chapters that God gives every person the light of himself. It says that God has showed it to him. It says uh, earlier we read that, that they all know that there's a God because God has revealed himself to them. All, all people have this light that God has given them, that they know that there is a God. The, the tribes over there in Africa or wherever that, that you know nobody's ever gotten to, they know that there is a God. They know that. Okay, now, whether they suppress that truth or not, you know, is up to them. But if they respond to that light that God has given, that there is a God, then we'll see in next chapter, chapter 2, next week, God has also given them the light of conscience. Everybody's got a conscience. Everybody. I mean, don't matter where you are, don't matter what you've heard, and if you, they respond to the light of conscience, God will give them the light of Christ. See what I'm saying? But here's the thing, and here's where we get bogged down. If, if, if you don't respond, I'm talking about y'all, not just somebody over in the jungle, but if you don't respond to the light of creation, knowing that, hey, there is a God, and knowing He is God and needs to be worshipped, that's what we're going to see here, be thankful to Him, be, you know, seeking that God. If you don't respond to that, God is under no obligation to give you anything else. And that is what is so precious about our salvation and about what God has done for us. Because He doesn't owe it to anybody. We kind of we start thinking like, well, you know, it, it's kind of just like, uh, you know, there's, we live in Tennessee and it's just churches everywhere and there's so much gospel everywhere and so much, you know, there's just, you hear Jesus everywhere and even, even heathens and pagans have the little green Jesus sign in their yard. You know, I mean, it's just everywhere. They pray before my kids' ball games, you know, at Little League. They pray, they still pray at my kids' school. And so it's just everywhere. It's all over the place. But where was I going right there? Yeah, no, really? Yeah, but even even in that, God doesn't have an obligation. God doesn't have an obligation. Like He doesn't owe you the opportunity to come. You've heard Brother Eddie preach that the Holy Spirit will draw you. He will convict you. And if he's not convicting you, you're basically sitting there going, I wish, man, in her up so I can get to Dairy Queen. You know, that's what a person not under conviction. But if he's convicting a lost person, you know, he's like showing them their sin and, and showing them their wretchedness before God and showing them what they need to do and showing them the way to righteousness. And stuff. That is the greatest blessing because he doesn't owe it to you. It's like, it's like what we think of is when the preacher's preaching or if you're you know, talking to friends or in Bible study or whatever you're doing, we're thinking like, like my words coming out of my mouth is causing everybody to go, oh, I really need to do that. But not, that's really not it. It's God, the Holy Spirit is coming to individuals. And saying, you need to do this. You, you need to understand that you're a sinner. You, so it's a personal thing. So it's like, when, when, let's just take, for example, in service, 
in service, you'll have all kind of people in there. And you'll have the preacher preaching, and you'll have, you'll have let's say, half of them are like, you know, I could care less. He just needs to hurry up. And, you know, what are we going to eat for lunch? And, you know, and then you'll have the other half that's listening. Yeah, he's really doing a good job, you know. But you'll have, you'll have some that God is personally coming to. I mean, like, personally. I'm coming to you. And he's sitting right in your lap and you start being convicted and you start feeling the tug of the Holy Spirit and you'll start start feeling like no, no matter what it is, even if you're saved, you're like, you're, man, this is speaking to me. It's just, it's so real. It's right to what I need right now. It's right to what I'm, what I'm going through right now. Well, God has revealed himself in the hearts of, of all people. And that's why, that's why salvation for me, I... I really can't get past it, you know. I mean, like they they call they call this kind of like a new believers class, but if so, I'm gonna be a new believer the rest of my life because I can't get past how amazing. Because he didn't owe me anything, and he still even today, if he stopped right now and took all his blessing off me, never, you know, whatever, just the air I breathe, the beats of my heart, the what, it took it all away. Man, I would still owe him. He don't owe me nothing. He don't owe me anything, but I owe him everything. And so he has revealed himself in the hearts of all these people. And we better hurry up or we're not going to get done. Uh, so I want to show you his wrath. That's what Paul's trying to tell us. I kind of got off there. His wrath. Now, I want you to look at this. They know he exists. They're without excuse. What does this wrath look like right now? Now I want you to. I'm going to read these verses, but I want before I read them, I want you to. I want you to see something. Three times in this chapter, between verse 21 and 29, man exchanges something for God. He exchanges God for something else, whatever it may be. Now here it's talking about idols and those kind of things, but we have the same kind of deals today, you know, whether it, your family can be your idol, your home can be your idol, your job, your money, your toys, your, I mean, our hearts are idol factories. I mean, you can make it out of anything. Uh, so three times man exchanges God for something else. Three times it says, so God gives man up to what he wanted. And then three times it, it ends up in man going further into sin than he, ever would, than he ever would have. Let's read it. Verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. They gave him up. And then look what happened. Their foolish heart was darkened. God, God removed that light, that light of, of creation, of conscience, of, of knowing, hey, this is wrong. This is, you know, he, their heart was darkened and his wrath was not just bang, I'm gonna blow up your house or, you know, it was not like, you know, I'm gonna stricken you with a disease or I'm gonna, it was not that, it was simply, is that what you want? Go get it. You know, it was God giving man up to what he wanted. And that's once. Verse 22 says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And here it is, verse 23. And changed or exchanged the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man 
to birds, four-footed beasts, and creeping things. What do you mean? I don't understand what it says. Uh, and they turned into birds. They made images of little gods, like the bird god or the. You know what I mean? It's chapter one is basically about Gentiles. Y'all know what Gentiles are? Gentiles are non-Jews, right? And when I say Jew, I don't mean people who practice the Jewish religion. I'm talking about national people. That's their nationality, Jewish. And he's talking about he's talking about how they, you know, they, they worship all kind of stuff. You know, in Rome and Greece they had all, they got a God for everything. You know, they got a God for the fields and God for fertility and the God for the sun and the rain and the, they got God for everything. And they got little statues for them all. And, and so it's talking about men, instead of worshiping this incorruptible supreme God that created all these things things they take a they take the creation and start worshiping it can you imagine i'm if i'm god oh, this is really stupid but if i'm god and i create man and i create a tree and i create the mind of man who can make tools and then man takes the tools and cuts down a tree and makes an idol and worships the tree from the tools that he made that I made for, I'd be like, boom, you're dead, you know? I mean, how dare you? But that's what he, that's what he did. That's what he did. He, but, but now don't think that it's not applicable to us because we have idols all over the place. I mean, all over. It would be the good things in our lives can be idols, like your children. You know, you can make idols out of your children. You can make idols out of, you know, if you're like one of those buffs that want to fix up your house, you know, your house could be your idol. And like every day I got to get home so I can paint the fence and, you know, just whatever. Or your job, you know, anything. We've talked about this before in here. Anything that you have to have in order to have joy in your life is your, is your God. If you have to have it in order to have joy, to be happy, that's your God. Okay, so if you have to have money, so much money in the bank to be happy, that's your God. If you have to have your children behaving a certain way or wife doing certain things for a husband or husband doing, you know, if you have to have the right kind of husband, the right kind of wife, the right kind of job, the right kind of social structure, if you have to have it to be happy, that's your God. For God wants us to find our joy completely in Him. And He is the only one that can give it to us, really. So, they changed the glory of the... This is the second time. They changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. And then it says, verse 24. So what did God do? It says, wherefore God also what? Gave them up. He gave them up. To uncleanliness through the lusts of their own hearts. He says, if this is what you want, go ahead. God removed his hand of restraint from them and they went clean off the deep end. Um, The best way to put every now and again, we get a glimpse of I don't know if you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but right now the. Christ and the church are the salt of the earth. They're they're preserving the earth, for lack of a better way to put it. And God, you know, we know God's sovereign. He's in control of all things. But every every now and again, God will take his hand off of something and we'll get to see just the utter horribleness of, of human sin. You know what I mean? Like when somebody does something awful and just... Yeah. Yeah. 
That's right. Yeah, I did. 36. Uh, when you see when you see God's hand removed from someone, they're capable of such awful, horrible. I'm just I'm talking about just absolutely. I mean, there's there's no end to the horribleness that is capable of the human heart. And so it says, because they gave up God and they chose to follow these idols, these, you know, whatever, the little trees and the the sun gods and the grass and all that kind of stuff. It says, wherefore God also gave them up to the uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Okay? And then here's the third time. It says, these are the people that changed the truth of God into a lie. Verse 25. And worshipped and served the creature, talking about the creation, more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26, this is the third time. It says, for this cause, for this reason, God, what? Gave them up. up. This is the same. It's interesting to me. It probably is not interesting to y'all, but the the gave them up is the same verb that's used for Judas betraying Jesus in the the Gospels. Uh, He gave them up unto, it's like he just handed them over to the vile affections. And it says, for even their women did change. It got so bad that it says the women change the natural use into that which is against nature. And that's where, you know, that's homosexuality. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. And if you... What he's saying is three times, I mean, one right after the other. I guess it was just so to make sure you don't miss the point. Three times he says they gave God up and then God gave them up. And then what happened was when God gave them up, when God, when God said, hey, buddy, go on. If that's what you want, go get it. They plunged off into the, some of the worst, vile, despicable sin that you could possibly imagine. And so we started saying that the righteousness, I think it's up here, the righteousness of God, yeah, the righteousness is revealed from faith to faith. You get in by faith and you live by faith. Remember? Remember that's what we said? But the wrath of God is revealed. How is it revealed in mankind? Anybody? Right. It's when God, it's when they give up, when they change God for something else, God gives them over to what they wanted, and then they start walking in a path that leaves destruction and sin in their way. So, do we see God's wrath acting anywhere in our world right now? I mean, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. People are, people have, I mean... Well, the definition of hell is separation from God. So, I mean, pretty much, you know, God's giving them over to their own personal hell. Yeah, and plus there's a really hot one coming in in the end, too. But, um, yeah, so... 
God's righteousness is revealed when we live by faith. Therefore, it is written, the just shall live by faith. God's righteousness is revealed. And it's God's righteousness, remember what we said? Because it's not us being good. See, it's not about, hey, you guys better start following the rules or you're not going to be very good Christians. It's not about that at all. It's about us just being in relationship with Jesus and letting Him do the work in us. It's about us walking in what He's done. You know, I am a good husband because, oh, don't say nothing. I'm a good husband, not because I'm trying really hard to be a good husband, although, you know, I am, but because I love Jesus more than I love her. I'm a good employee because I love Jesus more than I love my boss. I'm a good, whatever, you know, whatever you are, whatever you're, whatever the, whatever life you live where people see you in the way that you walk and the way you carry yourself, the way you talk, it's not because you're just so awesome and you're so doing so good because if God were to remove his hand from you, you'd just be, you'd be as wicked as everybody else. And if you know your own heart and if you're honest, you know, that's true. Uh, I can see, I can still see all kinds of wickedness in my own heart. And if God were, God were to take his grace off me, man, I would be right back to where I started, probably worse. But the only reason why I desire him, the only reason why I'm not that person is because God's grace has shined down on me and Jesus Christ has taken my place on the cross and his spirit dwells in me. So that's how God's righteousness is revealed, the power of the gospel. His wrath is revealed when he pulls back from you. See, his wrath is revealed when when you say when I say you, but when anybody says, you know, I don't want that God. I want this, you know, and God says, "Okay, go get it. And then you start walking in a path and it doesn't always have to end up in just murder and homosexuality and all that. It's just living for yourself. It's just living for your own stuff. I just want what I want and I'm just out to make myself happy and I'm just out to, to do what I need to do. What time is it? Oh, we're good. You see how that works? So when I say God's wrath, you're thinking, you're thinking fire from heaven. Bang, you know, my house burns down. I get, get sick and people are dying in my family and just God has just poured all this down on me. But more scary to me is when God removes his hand from a person and just lets them go into what they want. See what I mean? It's not, I mean, he just... He just lets them, lets them go into the... You want the sin? Go. And that's why Paul is so urgent. He says, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. I'm not ashamed to proclaim this in front of all the wise men in Athens and all the... I'm not ashamed to go places and play because this is serious. It's, it's serious to the point that when God comes to you... Let me just use... I'm a, I'll use Blake as, as an example here. If God comes to Blake today and says, Blake, you need to be saved, you know, just use an example or or whatever, you realize he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to. He could have pulled off and let me go. You know, when I was saved, he could have pulled off and just let me because I didn't want him. I sure didn't want him. I wanted what I wanted. I was headed for it and I was going. But when he came and convicted me and 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 spoke to my heart and said, you know what, you you're a sinner and you need to turn to me and I love you and I want to save you. And I want when he did all that stuff for me. 
He didn't have to do that. He could have because I was this guy. I was this guy that had changed God for an idol. And I was headed for my idol. And you were too. And I was going down that road. But God, when He came and He convicted me and He turned me around and I repented of my sin and I trusted in Him, I mean, what a grace that is. What a... I mean, because He could have just pulled off and said, all right, buddy, go. You know? And... That scares me. I don't know about y'all. That scares me bad. You know, it's not like... I'd rather my house burn down, to be honest with you. It scares me bad that God would pull His hand off. But He didn't because He loved me. And so you hear, you'll hear stories. I've heard Brother Eddie tell a story about like an 80-year-old woman who come and, and got saved. And she told the church, you know, in front of the church that night. She's like, God has never... 212. Ain't that something? How about that? And the 80 the year old woman said, God hasn't dealt with me for 40 years. She said, The last time God came and convicted me was 40 years ago. I mean, that's scary. That's scary that uh, for me, that wrath right there is a whole lot scarier than, you know diseases and God striking me dead with this and that, you know. Uh, it, it just really scary. Any questions? What? So then what makes the difference for some people? If, if they're so in sin and God has taken his hand off, then how can some people, it does come back around and other people, it never does? Grace. I don't know. I don't know. Well, the fact, what I'm trying to tell you is there, I haven't met a lot of people come to me and they'll say I think God you know there's the unpardonable sin and all that you know that kind of thing I think God has just left me and I don't know what the evident you know like if you would if you would come to me and you would say God's taking his hand off me and I'm scared and I don't know what to do that right there would be evidence that God hadn't taken his hand off you right so the person who God has taken his hand off of is the one who says forget all that God stuff I don't want none of it I don't want none of it and I don't care and you just take that religion mess on because I really don't I don't have time for that or they're the person who says you know I'm just pretty dang religious and I'm good and I don't need nothing else and I don't you know you know I, I don't need to hear none of that stuff I got me and God got our own thing going and as long as this as long as we clicking right along it's all the person who comes and they say you know I've had uh, there have been uh, sermons and books and television things about the unpardonable sin you know blaspheming the Holy Ghost and people would come and say oh I've done this and now God won't die that right there is evidence that you haven't done because if you care and you're worried and you're convicted and you're just, oh no, I don't want to offend God, I don't want, then his hand is right on you. Because if his hand was off you, you'd be rocking right along. So to answer your question, it's not that you're going, oh God, please save me. And God's going, nope, nope, nope. You know, it's not that at all. It's, it's God, I hate you. And I don't want nothing to do with you. And that's evidence that God has taken his hands off because you don't want him. You don't care. Tooken is a good word. It's Tennessee. Welcome to the South. <laughs> but, okay, so if you know people like that, that are just like, no, not from Tennessee. <laughs> I know a lot of people from Tennessee. Who are, 
is it just the only thing is just to pray that God's spirit would come back to them? Is that the only thing? Well, that, we pray that anyway. You know, we pray for people. That's why we pray for people to be saved, you know. So... We're praying that there would be a time because most every, I mean, there are some people, but around here, especially here, you know, not in some third world country, everybody's heard the name Jesus, more or less. You know, you may not know anything about it, you know. Now, I have met some people, I met, I met somebody the other day who lives on my road who said, never read the Bible, never read anything in it. So, there are some, but we live right here in the Bible Belt. Jesus is everywhere. The word Jesus, not the actual Jesus. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. So, what was your question? I'm sorry. Just at that point. Yeah, oh yeah. We pray for people to be saved because the evidence, the evidence when they're walking in their own direction saying, I don't want God, I could care less, I don't want to. That's evidence that God is turning them over. But nobody, from our perspective, nobody is permanently and finally turned over until they quit breathing. See what I mean? So, so you know, we don't know what goes on in the heavenlies, but until, you know, if, if a nine-year-old is walking his own direction and says, I could care less, and he does it all the way up until he's 96, I'm going to be praying for him, I'm going to be witnessing to him uh, until he's 96. Because, you know, my crazy friend that I Yeah, that's that's kind of dumb. I mean, not that that's that's not. Did I say that? No. You called her your crazy friend, so I felt. I was just I was joining you in your. Yeah, so I'm like, how are you just gonna give up on something because you don't know? Listen. Most of the time, and this is just from my experience, most of the time when somebody's like that, you know, I just give up. I don't know what to do. I don't, it's because they got sin they don't want to let go of. Most of the time when people are saying, you know, I really don't know about this whole God stuff. I don't do that. It's not because, it's not because, it, it's because I don't want nobody to tell me what I'm doing is wrong. You know, and so if you dig deep enough, you can usually find a fox in the hen house somewhere. I mean, you know, a fox in the hen house means they have sin in there. Okay, I'm just kidding. I tease her because she's from Kansas City. And she's all northern. We're all southern. Okay, here's the thing. The la- Let me do the last verse and we're done. It says... This is the kind of person that we're talking about right here. Now, it gives a list of sins. You can go back and read that. You know, they're full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity. Whispers means slanderers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters. It's got all of those kind of things. And then verse 32 really describes what we're talking about. Who knowing the judgment of God... That they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do them, but have pleasure in them that do them. So, is it possible for a saved person to commit deceit? Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, is it's possible for you know as we'll jump on the we will jump on the homosexual uh, thing and and talk about because it talked about in this chapter. But if you go through that list, uh, it's gonna hit you somewhere. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna hit you somewhere. And so the difference is the difference is we if if I deceive someone, what'll happen is the Holy Spirit will say, "Hey, what are you doing?" And it'll convict me, and I'll be repentant. I will, you know, it won't be like, well, well, I just take pleasure in doing those things. I like to tell people uh, the difference between the difference between this kind of person and the person who sins and is repentant and you know comes back to God in faith and just trusts in Him is that they take pleasure. I enjoy doing what I do. You know, I am a, God made me this way. I am a liar Christian. You know, that's what I am. I always do that because the people say I'm a homosexual Christian. God made me this way. I said, well, I'm an adulterous Christian. God made me this way. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a murderer Christian. That's what God, God made me a murderer Christian. I'm a murderer Christian. <laughs> Come around behind the building. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, so that's the difference. You say, when you take your sin and you say, this is, this is just the way I am and I have pleasure in it and it's good. Then you've fallen into this. You've taken that sin. You said, you know, sin is good. It's okay. God made me this way. Whenever somebody says, whenever, well, never mind. We'll do it some other time. But we don't look at sin that way because we're believers. We see sin as ugly and horrible and we want it out and we don't want it. And when we stumble into it, when we, when we fall into it, when we, when we do it willfully sometimes, Man, it just is. It it makes us feel awful. It, we 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 hate dishonoring our God that way. And it's not because you're so good. It's not because you're so awesome. It's not because you're so spiritual and so wonderful. It's because God has put His Spirit inside of you that causes you to want to walk after His commandments. Does that make sense? Y'all with me? So Paul is talking. He, he's going to get this first chapter was all about if you were if you were a Jewish religious person and you were reading this first chapter you'd be rooting Paul on you'd be like yeah that's right but he's finna turn the corner and hit them next in the second chapter so here I just wanted to make sure you saw that this thing about the gospel it's it's not something you know it's not something to just kick your feet about kick the dust around and it's something that's urgent it's something that's it's god's wrath is revealed right now and when you see somebody or when you you can remember when you were that person who was just walking off into their own sin just didn't care about you know i don't care what i'm doing wrong and i ain't hurting nobody and it's all good when you see that you can see god's wrath coming to bear on the human heart right there because god's just turned them over to it so, it's wrath is right here, right now. It's not just something God's going to get you one day if you keep doing that. You know what I mean? No, no, no. God's wrath is here right now when He when He when He turns you over to that. And so, that it's really frightening to me. Okay. Is there any questions, comments, or cries of outrage? No. Yes. Is it going to be a hard question? Okay. Okay. One of the things that she asked about, about praying for her friends or family that um, are living in unrighteousness or living anti-Christ, uh, is one of the things that's encouraging me. I have somebody in my family that I pray about, pray for, 
um, that is pretty clearly not a Christian, but is remembering when Christ was on the cross and, you know, um, demonstrating the righteousness and the glory of God, that he looked down at those guys who were crucifying him, and he even said to the Father, you know, he prayed to the Father for them, yeah. who were actually crucifying the righteousness and the the Son of God. So I just wanted to say that I find that whenever I sometimes see people in life, I think of just, you know, why do we even pray for that person today? Yeah. It's because Christ prayed. That's right. And that's, and that's God uses. Uh, I mean, I won't get to a systematic deal of how it all works out, but God uses the prayers of His people. He uses them to act, and He uses them. So, uh, I, I mean, I'm one. I was <clears throat> just. I mean, some of y'all know what I used to do for a living. And my mom prayed for me for... My dad prayed for me. And me and my dad hated each other. I mean, well, I hated him. I don't know if he probably didn't hate me, but... We hated each other. And what are you laughing at? He wasn't probably your fan either. No, he wasn't my fan. But that was the only thing they had was praying, 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 praying. And... Through, through nothing out. It was for, through no avenue that they created, but just out of it was an avenue God created. You know, He brought me the gospel. Not only did He bring it to me because I already knew the gospel, but He brought the conviction of the Spirit and the drawing of the Spirit with it. And God used her prayers, everybody's prayers. So we don't. When I say take His hand, when God takes His hand off. I'm not talking about a, it's not a permanent state until you're dead. You see what I mean? So there, we've all had our hand, his hand taken off of us and, and ran off in the wrong direction. But I just wanted to show you the grace of God in coming to get us and coming to bring us back to him. the same way as when Christ took the sin of the world and God turned his back on him. Is that the amazing of the, the nature of his sin? I don't know. I guess. I guess so. Yeah. Um, there, there is a sense. And you know that, then that's when that's when you cried out the market. Right. Yeah. There is a sense in which uh, God turned.